Good evening, McKendry University, and welcome to the first showing of Without Bias. I am your host, Dante Anglin. So if you didn't watch the introduction podcast that was posted this morning, I'm going to tell you what this show is about and a little bit about me, and then we'll get into the show. So what this show is about is, it's a political show, first and foremost, but it's not the typical political show. I think nowadays the media has polarized the country in regards to left-wing politics, right-wing politics, right-wing media, left-wing media. This show will do its very best to be as unbiased as possible with all political actions and opinions. Throughout the rest of the semester, I will invite guests to talk about certain political philosophies, certain political opinions, and just debate debating in general. You know, me and maybe I might have a couple other guests on to debate one another about controversial topics in today's world. I believe it's important to foster... An environment where everyone can talk and everyone can listen to one another. And who knows, they might even end up agreeing with one another, just have different viewpoints of looking at how to solve things. So a little bit about myself. Um, I'm a junior here at McKinney University. My major is as follows. I'm a secondary education major with a social science uh, background and, and an emphasis in uh, political science. Long story short, I hope to teach civics one day to a bunch of high schoolers somewhere. Um Things that I'm involved with, uh, at the moment, I'm involved in concert and chamber choir. I'm very involved with the music program here, even though I'm not really a music major or a minor. Used to be, though. Um, I'm also uh, involved in Alpha Delta Gamma uh, National Fraternity. I'm the sergeant of arms of that group. And just in general, I just do my best to uh, take part in the community. Also, what the show is going to consist of over the next coming weeks is going to be three segments. The first segment is going to be focusing on political philosophies or you know in in the next segment next week it's going to be focusing on the importance of certain things within McKinley. so for instance i'm going to be focusing on the arts for the next four weeks uh, the first week will be uh, the importance of choir the second week will be the importance of band the third week will be the importance of art and the fourth week will be the importance of theater and i will hope to have a faculty member from each department to talk about the importance of each and explain why it's not only important, obviously, to the student itself, but the community as a whole and how it just makes us better as individuals. Um, the second segment of the show will me be reading articles <clears throat> um, from RearClearPolitics.org and be reading three liberal and three conservative articles, you know, covering a specific issue and making sure that we have a fair and balanced look at the situation in and of itself. I give you the information on both sides and then you make it of it what you will, the viewer. And then the last segment of the show was when I actually, you know, give my opinion on the topic at hand. I'm looking forward to work, uh, talking to all of you tonight and as the coming Wednesdays come up. And I'm sure that you will enjoy listening to me and I will enjoy your feedback if you do listen. And I hope that even if you do disagree with me, I want to thank you for listening because it seems that today in this nation's climate, there's not a lot of talking. And I would like to say that it means a lot that you are listening because if you're listening to me now and if you do disagree, you can come up with an argument to, you know, go against me. You know, you can't really argue someone when you don't know what their political statements are, what their political opinions are, what their stances are. But thank you for listening to me. It does mean a lot. So what we're going to get into today 
is Trump's speech to the joint session of Congress last night. Um, I'm not going to read the whole text. <laughs> I was I thought about it, but I don't want to bore you. Um, but what I will do is I will tell you where it can be found. The full text, or if you want to listen to you know a full unedited, unedited version of the speech, um, go to Real Clear Politics. The speech is up. The text is there. And um, I do urge you to watch it. I found it to be uh, very interesting. So let's talk about the speech in and of itself. So obviously the Trump administration has been a very, very, very polarizing administration in the first month of its presidency. Um, certain laws that have already been enacted, such as Trump rolling back the transgender bathroom laws put in by the former President Barack Obama, as well as the rolling back of regulations and the various cabinet picks he has put has been approved by Congress and the Senate. There is obviously still division within our country. And, you know, to be fair, in regards to how Trump talks during the campaign, you really can't it's 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 not hard to understand why our nation is so split. But last night there was a glimmer of hope, at least I like to think, in regards to Trump's speech. His speech was I will admit there were rhetoric there was rhetoric in there calling for unity, calling for bipartisanship, you know, I'll extend my hand, you take it, you know, work with me. Very very generic presidential type of, you know, language, I would say. Most presidents, you know, with Obama and Bush and even Clinton, you know, when they gave their State of the Union addresses or speeches before a joint session of sessions of Congress, you know, they would ask for unity. They would ask for bipartisanship. Now, did it happen? Not so much. But they did ask for it. So we see this again during the speech last night, and Trump did ask for it. Whether it <laughs> whether it happens or not is a whole different story. But oddly enough, there were some things within his speech that were bipartisan and that had both sides standing up and clapping for, uh, oddly enough. One of the things that had both sides standing up last night was his view on in regards to health care. Um, the Affordable Care Act is obviously a very controversial hot topic, and, you know, the Republicans are probably on pace to repeal it and replace it, which has, you know, come under some heat from not just liberals but from conservatives as well because certain plans – are thought to be better than others, apparently, because there's so many plans. You know, the Republican Party really hasn't been united on what they exactly want to do. However, Trump did say something very crucial last night, and he talked about how he wanted to keep the pre-existing conditions clause that was in the Affordable Care Act. And I think most people, you know, that were screwed over by the insurance companies before that, you know, individuals who, you know, went to these insurance companies to get insurance for specific things, but were denied coverage because they had a pre they had a pre existing condition, they were probably very happy because Obamacare was probably saving them, you know, a a lot of money and ultimately their life. Now, don't get me wrong; there are things that are wrong, or I shouldn't say wrong. I would say that are problematic with the Affordable Care Act, such as you know the premiums and so on and so forth. But I think that there are parts of the law that Trump is open to keeping, as well as Republicans in general are open to keeping. And hopefully Democrats can see that and reach across the aisle and, you know, you know, work it out. And I'm glad that he's keeping the pre-existing conditions because that is going to help a lot of people not only be able to, you know, get coverage, but, you know, keep coverage. Another thing that he talked about, which I will find that I found interesting, and I wonder how Republicans will deal with it, is he was talking about a rebuilding infrastructure. Um, 
and proposing a very large sum of money to rebuild the infrastructure of this country. Now, oddly enough, the fight for the budget will begin very, very soon. And I want to see how Republicans will deal with the financial aspect of paying for this all. Because, you know, Republicans, you know, regardless of which side you are, you can always see on national television when Obama was president, when they attempted, when he attempted to pass an infrastructure bill, Republicans opposed it because, you know, it would go over the budget. Well, what Republicans say now, if a Republican president proposes an infrastructure you know, build that goes over the financial budget. What will they do? Will they oppose it or will they go with it? And if they do go with it, what does that say about their principles and yada, 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 and so on and so forth? Another thing that Trump did that unified pretty much everybody was his dedication and his 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 moment of bravado towards the fallen Navy SEAL's wife, widow who was unfortunately killed in Yemen during a raid and apparently it broke a record a two and a half minute standing ovation for the widow of this fallen seal and I think most everyone at least the people that I talked to said that it was very hard not to cry it was very hard not to be emotional because that was an emotional moment it was a very powerful moment and probably the most powerful part of the whole speech. Now, granted, there has been backlash this morning. There were some people on the far left and even some people in the center that would say, well, you know, he did it for a political prop. And he may have well done it for a political prop. And if he did do a political prop, I mean, politics as usual, which is not an excuse for doing it. But it's not surprising. Most presidents do this to pass an agenda or to make a statement and so on and so forth. Another thing that he did last night in regards to pushing his agenda was he mentioned a young African-American lady who was in attendance last night, and he talked about how she did not do very well in public school, citing she failed third grade three times, and then went on to say that, well, when she enrolled in charter schools, in a charter school of her choice, she, you know, graduated, she went on to high school, she graduated and did very well with grades there, and then went on to college, and, you know, now has a master's degree in social work. And I thought that was interesting because you see the debate over uh, public and private schools and how that's pretty much dissolved into a cat fight on not just on Capitol Hill, but just in general among ordinary Americans. Again, I don't I don't like the fact that he did that. I don't think that that was necessary. Now, granted, he's the president of the United States. He's allowed to pretty much do whatever he wants in regards to, you know, the State of the Union or. Uh, the joint sessions of the Congress, you know, he has the mic, he's allowed to speak. But I think if you're trying to get a message out and you're trying to get across an agenda, there are certain things that you shouldn't do, and I did not agree with what he did. I don't think that that was appropriate. I don't think that that was reasonable. And once again, if you want school choice, you have many other days where you can go on national television and advertise for school choice. This didn't need to be a moment where you needed to do that. But like I said, uh, he he's allowed to do what he, he he wants. I just didn't agree with it. Um, along with that, it almost seemed a, a part, you know, and, and you go back to his inauguration speech, and, and then you look back at this speech as well. If you look at the transcript, very, very, not necessarily bleak version of the United States, but throughout the speech, there was a sense of gloom almost. You know, our inner cities, you know, are ravaged. Our infrastructure is crumbling. You know, our, our infra- you know, we're losing jobs overseas. Our, you know, our industry is falling apart. And I don't, I don't know how to look at it because 
you know, on one hand, you know, the left would go, and it seems because it seems like the positions have switched because, you know, if you would have said that <laughs> in the Bush era, you know, a lot of Republicans would have, you know, said, oh, you know, they'd wrap themselves in the flag and, you know, say, oh, yo, you know, America's the greatest country on earth. And the left would be the one that would saying, oh, you know, the country's terrible. You know, Bush is a war criminal. Da, 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 da. It seems like the positions have switched where the left are now saying, well, at least mainstream centrist Democrats are saying, wait a minute, you know, this country's great. And, um, and you know. He's painting a picture that's just not true, and it's counterfactual, and so on and so forth. And I, and it's it's difficult to tell what the truth is in that case because when you think of inner cities, you know, dear viewer, what do you think of? You know, do you think that it is as bad as Trump, you know, Trump says, or do you think it's not as bad? You know, and I think it also depends on you know where you come from because if you far if you are from the inner city, you probably have a better view of you know how inner cities are actually doing than you know someone who's doesn't live there and granted you can go and visit an inner city but how much do you really gain from going there apart from that i would like to think that you know the delivery of the speech was fantastic i think trump did a very good job of articulating in regards to what his agenda and um the and the speech in and of itself you know very 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 simplistic but in a way eloquent the only problem you know that most people have and this has been a recurring theme with Obama and with Bush, and in some parts in cases Clinton, lack of detail. Um, he did set out his agenda last night, but there was no really any plan exactly to do how. And I think that's the big question that most Americans are asking. Like, yeah, the speech got a very, very, very high positive rating, you know, in, in the polls, you know, in CNN, Fox, and MSNBC, and so on and so forth. But just because he gave a good speech does not mean that his a his agenda will go through in the way that he wants to or b that it will even work it's all well and good to say i'm going to bring back jobs or you know i'm going to cut taxes and so on and so forth but my question is how and how do you accommodate for you know circumstances outside of your control what do you do then but of course this is a you know speech where traditionally when Reagan was president and back, you know, even back before that, the State of the Union address and joint sessions to Congress were very, very, very long. And the reason for that was due to the fact that they laid out a plan of how they were going to do every little thing that they said within the speech. They don't do that anymore. And I think the reason they do this is for time and, you know, the American people, in, in, a, in a weird paradoxical way, they care, but they don't care. It's like, oh, my goodness, you know, just get it done. But at the same time, no, just. But also at the same time, tell us how you're going to do it. It's 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 a weird paradox. Um, I would say that overall the speech went very well. His base, obviously, there was nothing wrong. You know, I think I feel like the base was very happy with the speech. Um, I feel people on the center and to the left of center, even though they disagree with him, probably felt okay. Well, he's not bad. In regards to, they will oppose him, but they don't think that he's the next Hitler or something along those lines. But the far left, you know, they probably have a very different view of uh, how they view the speech. But um, I think they're, you know, they're, 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 he has a lot of work to do. The Trump administration is still very young, and I want to see how they continue to do in the next four years. Because nothing is guaranteed. And what you heard last night was a lot of rhetoric. 
and you know there's this there's this wanting there's this there's this feeling of like you're agreeing with it and you, you want it to be true you want him to do some of the things that you agree with you want him to do well but is he going to and that's the big question and i'm not going to make any predictions on this show but as you the dear viewer you know I would urge you, please go and watch the speech or read the transcript. Go to realclearpolitics.org and read and read the transcript or watch the video and tell me what you think if you can. Because I believe that if you read the whole speech in, in its entirety, you get a very centrist view, I think, of, not, of, of him as an individual and him you know, in regards to policy. And I think that... While I Trump has done things that I have disagree that I disagree with, you know, in regards to social issues, rolling back the transgender, you know, the 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 ineffective I like to call you know travel ban and so on and so forth, there were things in the speech that I vehemently agreed with, and I think that would be good for the United States. But there were also things in there that I disagreed with. So I challenge you, viewer, to go through the speech, to read it or to watch it, and find three things that you liked and three things that you didn't like. The more things that we can find that we can agree with, the easier it is to govern, the easier it is to talk to people. Because, yes, we're going to disagree on things. That's just how we as you know, human beings are. But I would like to think that maybe, just maybe, through watching this speech or reading this speech and finding things that you can you know, find common ground with, we can <laughs> make America great again in that sense. Because... From a guard, from a political standpoint, from a politic, from from the from from the landscape that we have, we are very divided, and I think that last night's speech was calling for unity. And I know all presidents do this; it's a generic thing. But I think this time we should listen, because we've never been this polarized before, and especially with a figure like Trump. We should listen to one another. We should talk to one another. We should, you know, find someone who listened to this show and ask them, hey, what three things did you agree with? And who knows? You might agree with all of them or one of them or two of them. But find out if you agree. But if you do agree, work with that. Work upon it. And with the stuff you do disagree with someone on, ask them, okay, why, do you, why, why exactly do you feel this way? You know, find out why they feel the way they feel, why they have the opinion the way they do. And if you can do that, then congratulations, I salute you. I think it's important that we as a society moving forward learn to deal with disagreement. And that is hard to do because if you have a general basic set principles, whether that be politics, lifestyle, religion, and so on and so forth, it's very hard to step outside the box. It, it is. We're all human, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that stepping outside the box and being able to have dialogue with other people of different viewpoints can lead to solutions. Who's to say that your opinion is the right one? And I would say the same thing to the opposition, whoever that might be. Why can't you combine your views? You know, what, well, what is the problem with that? And there might be a problem with that. Who's to say? You know? 
that's why they are our ideologues, you know, that, that have set principles and that are very consistent with that. And that is admirable in its own way. But when it comes to governing, sometimes compromise is warranted. And I think we've lost that in regards to not just government, but just people in general. So as, as I said, I, as, as, as to recap, I thought the speech went uh, very well and that he, 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 he said what he needed to say <laughs> in regards to rhetoric and uh, pushing his agenda. Whether you agree with the speech or not, um, you know, it's going to vary person to person. But I would urge you to watch it if you haven't or read it if you haven't and try to come up with three things you liked and three things you didn't like. So following up with this podcast next week will be um, our first segment we'll be dealing with uh, the importance of the arts in our, in our in within this series. The first segment will be dealing with choir. I would hope to have Dr. Itma on par with us and um, having an interview with her asking her the importance of music and various other questions pertaining to choir. Um, after that, I'm going to have my second segment, my first second se- first second segment of reading uh, the news in regards to a specific topic, whether it be immigration, whether it be the Russian spy probe, or whether it be the wall, or whether it be taxes, you know, whatever the ho- whatever is the most hot button issue at the at, at the time. I will read three conservative articles and three liberal articles, and then at the end of it, I will give my own opinion, and uh, let me know if you agree or disagree, because conversation is always wanted i'm always looking forward to hearing from viewers and listening to how they feel the way they feel and maybe coming up with a solution you know even though can't we're not congressmen or you know lawmakers it's always fun to agree with someone so i hope you all have a wonderful day thank you for tuning in to this podcast of without bias this is your host dante england signing off